Amen. We have a very strong idea of what a family is supposed to look like. We imagined almost perfect families where everything flows peacefully and beautifully as the norm, not as the section. We imagine families where certainly there are some challenges and complications, but not too much or not too unmanageable. However, normal and regular families have a totally different story to tell. Do you have a normal family? Yes, okay, I saw one hand over there. Yeah, I have a very normal family, by the way. <laughs> um, the truth is that much of our families are works in progress. And sometimes we even don't know if they are making any real progress at all. How do I struggle for my closest relationships? Well, the closest relationship that you have is at home, right? With your family. But then it goes, you know, uh, it goes out to the neighborhood, to your place of work, to your school, uh, to the places where you entertain yourself, you know, different places, but especially so in the family, within the family. Um, and actually, you know, I, I learned, I grew up, um, I don't know if you grew up with the same understanding, but I grew up hearing, writing, and being told many times that family was the basics of the, the foundation for society. Did you hear that when you were growing up? Wow, so you went to my same school then. <laughs> yeah, I grew up hearing that. Family is the foundation of society. So we place a very big burden over family and over, over families as a whole and, over, uh, and upon ourselves to be the foundation, to be that group of people who actually is the most significant group of people in society. And by doing that, which I think we tell our families, our families, we ought to be almost perfect. And when we have problems and confrontations, and when we have misunderstandings, and when we have dis disappointments and all that kind of stuff, we, don't, we cannot imagine why these things are happening in our families. Okay? Are you still with me? Okay. All right. Well, I didn't drink coffee today, so I'm not going to be very excited. So you got to put up with that. I just got tea, so that's almost enough. So, but see, here's the thing. What is it that the Bible says about family and about the closest relationships? And I've been thinking about that. And the Bible is not a manual for families. The Bible is a manual for life that includes family, but it's not a manual that was written for families. It was a manual that was written for and for a church, the Church of Christ in the New Testament, and the people of Israel in the uh, First Testament. So, but we tend to think that the Bible was written for families. Well, the Bible for, was written for whoever wants to read it. The Bible was written for whoever wants to pay attention to it, including families. 
And then I've been thinking, you know, where in the Bible says, you know, how do I struggle with my closest relationships? And I couldn't find that. Maybe you can. But then as I was thinking about it, I remember another thing that I was taught when I was growing up in my, in my fam- within my family and in, in Venezuela. And that was that Jesus had a holy family. And wow. So growing up, that was not really difficult to believe because you see Mary, you see G- uh, Joseph, and Jesus, a baby Jesus. So it looks very beautiful. It looks holy. And on top of that, they paint them in a very, very spiritual manner that they look almost from heaven, the three of them. But then there is scripture and there is reality. And I thought, did Jesus really have a holy family? Or did did he have a regular family, a normal family. What did he have? Well, I found some leadings in the Bible that will probably help us this morning. Like, for instance, let's read the first text today. It's, it's in uh, the Gospel of, of Mark, chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Let's read it together, can we? Okay, you didn't drink coffee either today. Come on, let's stand up and let's read this text together, okay? Okay, come on. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to, to what? Okay, when his family heard about this, they take charge of him, for they said, he is... Holy. He's the Savior. He's the Lord. He's a prophet. No, he said he's loco. Right? You may be seated. So he is out of his mind. Well, if you, if you were Latino, you will understand that easily. Because you need to eat. If not, you go cuckoo. You, go, you, will, you become loco. You know, also Americans don't understand that really well, right? I'm just teasing. Remember, I'm playing with the words. Don't take it personally. Okay. So, how is it that the Holy Family is calling the Holy Boy (laughs) loco? (laughs) You're crazy. And they, basically, they would have called the psychiatrist, the psychiatric department to bring this guy home because something is going wrong with this guy. Are you with me? Yeah. Well, the, that's very, pretty mild right there, but it, it's strong already. Second one, uh, we have now his brothers talking about him. And that's the Gospel of John. Do you have it? John, there we go. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea, because the Jewish leaders there were looking for, way, for a way to invite him to dinner. To kill him, right? Next. Do you have it? Yeah. But when the Jewish festival of the tabernacles were, was near, 
Jesus' brother said to him, we have a good idea, brother. Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works that you do. Keep going, please. Yeah. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in what? Unless you work for the CIA. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. Why? Repeat with me. For even his own brothers did not. I'm pretty sure all your brothers and sisters, they believe in you mightily. They were willing to give their life for you. Maybe yes. But here's another part of the Holy Family where the holy boy, the holy man, Jesus Christ, is about to do his ministry in a large scale, in a larger scale, and he is being invited by his brothers to do something even better. Go to Judea, you know, go to the capital, go to the, where big deal really happens, you know, here in Galilee. And by the way, they knew somehow that these people wanted to kill him. And yet, they said, go on. Don't you say that you are somebody? But if you are somebody, go there. You can make miracles. You might be able to change those killers into good people. Maybe. Who knows? Look, not even his brother. What? Let's, let's have a conversation now. I don't know if you uh, can understand uh, a family of 10 siblings. I have six brothers, five brothers, and four sisters. No, six, let me see, I'm five, yeah, yeah. There you go, five brothers and four sisters. Now, I already told that story, you should not be saying wow, because I, I told you my, my, my father was a widower, and he married my mother who was, uh, who has a man who escaped, and so they came together and they, encourage themselves to have five more babies. So here's the thing. I noticed that all my brothers and my sisters, they actually protected me a lot, but they fought a lot too. They fought. They, they had a lot of difficulties. And I remember my two, the two singer, uh, um, my two sisters, who are the youngest of them, not the youngest including myself, but then, they were always fighting uh, between them. And I was trying to mediate. Not because I was very peaceful, it's because I won the favor of one of them. I was always trying to mediate. But I did never see any perfection in my family. I saw love, and I saw a lot of mistakes too. And I saw compassion, but I also saw a lot of crit- criticism. Did you get that by any chance? In the same family, compassion and criticism. Love and a pushback, like this one's here. So within your closest relationship, you're expecting love, compassion, and flying. But no, you get the strongest training for life. (laughs) Sometimes when I'm trying to be a little bit tough with my sons, my two sons, not with my daughter, I can't be tough with her. They said, Dad, what are you talking about? That's not the way to talk to us. And I said, well, I hope you understand when you're out there, they will not talk to you with feathers. 
They will be, sometimes they will be brutal. So you got to be better than that, whatever I'm telling them, right? You got to be ready for life. But it only happens in a family. When family is clear that they are training people for life. And when you forget about this idealistic view of family, I understand that you are dealing with human beings. You're not dealing with angels. Right? You're not dealing with angels. You're dealing with human beings. But we want them to be perfect. We don't want to be perfect, but we want them to be perfect. We are dealing with human beings. They are humans. Epictetus, if you remember the guy, 2,000 years ago, he became a great deal uh, back then. He said, you know, if you have a cup, and it's your favorite cup, uh, the book that I read it, from, read it from is called The Art of Living. Really good book, by the way. Uh, so he says, if you have a cup, your favorite cup, remember, when it breaks, it's a cup. It's just a cup, but it broke. And then he says, and you're thinking that that's it. And then he says, hey, by the way, do you know that you are married to a mortal? You know that your, the, your family members, that your, those who are your favorite, you love them dearly, they are mortal. That means they can die. And they will certainly die. So why would you invest so much time and stress in fighting them instead of supporting them and blessing them and caring for them and challenging them nicely. But they will break too. We don't want to break at the home. We don't want to break a family at home. They will be challenged out there. So, but Jesus got that. His family probably never understood him totally. And I think my family haven't either. And that's okay. If you can live with that, you will be fine. But if you still expect your husband to be perfect, good luck with that. <laughs> and then, but here's the thing. It, it, it didn't finish there. You know, we keep going, and I'd like to show you another text. This is a better text, by the way. Near the cross, here is something beautiful. The same mother that thought he probably went loco. Now, near the cross of Jesus is too, his who? His mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. And next, next, when Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. Now, from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. We don't understand that. How is it? How can that be that he's giving his mother to a disciple and not to his brothers? Are you, are you with me here? Well, we don't know why, but I can give you my guess. It's not in the Bible, so please don't, do not quote me. I believe that maybe perhaps Joseph already passed at this point. Jesus is the 
you know, the first one, the one with the responsibility to taking care of his mother or father, whatever, but she doesn't have a husband, and now she doesn't have a, the first, first son, and we don't know what happened to the other guys. So at this point, even in the moment of most pain and shame, look at that, in the time of most pain and shame, he takes time to take care of his mother. Was he loco? Hello? He wasn't loco. Yes, he was loco of love. He was in love with his mother. He loved her dearly. And even in the most difficult, shameful, painful moment, he took time to take care of his mother. I'll let that see to you, in you, in you and in me, because it's really hard sometimes to think about those things that way. Then the next one, it's getting better, okay? Then after three years, that's Paul, Saul, talking many years later, 20 probably, uh, I went up to Jerusalem. Uh, he said three, but he's talking about himself, but I'm talking about Mary and Jesus and his brothers. I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with who? He first, and I stayed with him how many days? 15 days. That guy was an American. He knew every single thing. 15 days. And so no one other than who? And only James? The Lord's? Wow, surprise. One of his crit uh, most uh, important uh, critics now is an apostle. Now he's following Jesus. Now he is an apostle. He is a leader of the church. James is one of those brothers that he had that was telling him, go to Jerusalem. Don't you want to be a big deal? And here we have James embracing Jesus and, be, and, and now showing up as himself as a leader. And Paul recognizes him. Next, James, the same James, by the way. As a, he's writing a, now a letter, and he says, James, servant of who? God, and now of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Isn't that great? Now this man believed that Jesus Christ is who? It's the Lord. But it took time. It took time for this gentleman to understand who Jesus was. And it takes time for us to understand who our sister Joanne Martin is. And it, it takes time for my sister Joanne Martin to know and to understand who Alfredo Delgado is. You cannot take people for granted. You have to go through the process of the relationship. And you go through those processes by suffering the pain and, and enjoying the joys. But we mostly want the joys. You know, sometimes my beautiful girl challenged part of my uh, broken life, broken, brokenness, I will say, because I'm not a holy guy only. I'm a, I'm a sinner. Are you a sinner? Amen. Wow, only one here is a sinner. <laughs> well, anyways, sometimes she challenges me to the core and I have to decide if I'm going to be a dad, if I'm, going to be a, if, if I'm going to be a dude, or what. Most of the time I decide I'm not a dad. Sometimes I'm not a dad. 
because sometimes I lose it like anybody will. Right? Do you lose it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. If you do, here's the thing. Remember, you were not called to perfection. You were called by the perfect one. The perfect one is the one who gives you the grace and the power and the resiliency and the creativity and everything else that you need to deal with yourself. It's not dealing with your daughter or your son. It's dealing with yourself. Most of the problem that we have is not the people that is challenging us or bothering us or confusing us or whatever. It's us. We have our own brokenness. And sometimes we want to we want to make life the way we want it. And when life doesn't go the way we want it, then we do something else. But look at this. It took more than 20 years from James to become a follower of Jesus, his brother, and for James to call him Lord. So don't be concerned if your brothers or sisters or husband or wife or uncle, or whoever, still don't see you for who you are. They are a work in progress. And you know what? God loves them so much. God loves them dearly that the only place that he thought was the best place, place, best place for them was your family. <laughs> what do you think, right? <laughs> and then, hey, I have to finish, right? really like this conversation. Um, so let's kind of put this together. And let me tell you a story about somebody that I really like. I'm really sorry he's gone, but I really like that guy. I, don't, I didn't like his cursing, but I did like him. Are you re- ready for this guy? I will tell you first who, what he thought of himself, and then I will tell you his name. Is that Okay. Yeah? Gosh, I think we need more coffee in this church. <laughs> okay. He said of himself, I was a spoiled, narcissistic, lazy, lazy self-involved, middle-class kid from the suburbs. I am a person who, left to my own natural instincts, will gravitate towards chaos of self-destruction and addiction. And working in a kitchen forced, me upon, forced upon me a discipline that stopped me from spinning out. I started as a dishwasher at 17, and it may, it may have taken 30 years, 30, 30 years, but I learned how to grow up and be an adult there. And this was taken from the book, if I could tell you just one thing, encounters with remarkable people and their most valuable advice by Richard Reed. And his name is? The name of the guy is? Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain. Gosh, I really like that guy. I would want him to be my, my brother, one of my brothers. I know, the new, the new Anthony Bourdain, right? Okay. But you know what? He realized, and most people know who they are. Sometimes they don't know how to overcome themselves. 
Sometimes they don't know how to deal with the stuff that they have. Sometimes I don't know how to deal with that stuff myself. Stuff myself. Maybe perhaps sometimes you don't know how to deal with that stuff. But Anthony, in confessing who he was, is telling all of us, if you were, don't worry about what you, what, what you were, worry about what, you can, what, uh, worry about what you can become. And he said, the kitchen taught me, forced upon me a discipline that made me move into adulthood. So, you know what? But thank God for the, maybe the patience. I don't know details about that, by the way, that perhaps his family had, somehow. And thank God for the patience that my family had with me and with you. Can you look next around, around you and say, hey, thank God for the fa- your family who was patient maybe with you. Can you still do that? Do that. Tell somebody some... Let me show you a flower, a beautiful flower. If you have it ready, please. You like it? That flower took eight years of watering it, nursing it, talking to it. Whatever. And the person who was taking care of that flower or that plant was getting tired and tiring, and she almost was blessing her with curses. Was just really tired of this. But she never gave up. Her name is Kira Uchiyama. He, she, she gave me the permission to say that. Uh, and you know what happened? On the night, three weeks ago, four weeks ago maybe, on the night of her mother's birthday, 90th, 90th birthday, that thing came out. Eight years of watering, nurturing, taking care of the thing, and never gave, gave anything. But on the night of her mother's birthday, 90th, 90th birthday, the thing showed up. And you know what? Let me tell you something more about Kira. When I met her eight year, more than eight years ago, she described herself as an atheist or something like that. Then, later on, she moved forward, I told you that before, into uh, agnostic. That day, she said something that I never thought that she would say. And she said, this is a miracle. And she, said, she started her conversation to everybody by saying that. I want to tell you about a miracle. That flower over there is a miracle. And she said the whole thing. Friends, life is like that. You have to keep at it with your difficult, more, rela- more close relationships. You know, with those relationships that are happening, taking place at home, with those relationships, you need to keep nurturing them, watering them, protecting them, giving them a break, send them, send them to Hawaii or, or, or Kansas or whatever, supporting them so that they somehow one day will flourish. But you know what we lack? We say we have faith. But faith needs patience. A real faith is invested. 
And, and, and it's, it has the power of patience. Real faith has the power of patience. Because talk to Abraham. God told him, yeah, and you're going to be a father. Oh, yeah, really? Okay, yes. So they took a lot of convincing until he said, yes, I, I will be a father. And then 24 years later, nothing. But God, keeps, God kept him watering the guy and putting nurture, nurture, I'm giving him nurturing, or nurturing him is what I meant, um, and giving them grace and love and forgiveness and telling him you will be a blessing until one day he finally was a father. You know? So please don't give up too soon to your daughters and sons and granddaughters and grandchildren. Do not give up too soon, even to those who are really difficult. Because there, are, there is no better place for them than your house. Tell me what is the best place for your family. Your family, best place is your home. I know there are exceptions to that rule. I know. And be careful, there are exceptions to that rule. But in general, we need our family. In general, we need that beautiful, difficult relationship in family. You know how, bad, how bored your family would have been if the, everything is up and high, everybody is perfectly behaving, is speaking like angels and all that. But when there is only spice to it, then you got to practice forgiveness. Then you got to practice patience. Then you got to practice love. And then you look more like Jesus. What do you, look, what do you prefer to be? An angel-looking guy or person, human being, women? Or you prefer to be a Jesus-looking person? If you prefer to be a Jesus-looking like person, then you need to bear with your family. You need to stay put. You know why perhaps there is many divorces in, in America and Venezuela and throughout the world? By the way, this is a very interesting secret. Even Christians have more divorces than the general public. Can you believe that? You hear me? Even Christians have sometimes a higher rate of divorce than the regular public. Why is that? I don't know, but I, I have a, guy, a guess. I can share that with you. Is it that we are trying to be like Jesus outside, but in the house we are like hell? I know it's a bad word, but you remember I'm learning English, so you don't worry about that. <laughs> Seriously, you know, home is supposed to be the best place on earth. Are you agree? I, I, do you agree with that? And you know why? Because, yes, there is no perfect place on earth, but home is a good place for people to be tolerated and learned. Not to be that biased, not to be that narcissistic. People, a place where people can be embraced as they are and nurtured and empowered and also challenged. Yes, of course, they need to be challenged, but, but we, we, we spend too much time 
criticizing, judging, confl confronting, pushing, and less time, and loving, and caring, and pampering, and giving them a break, and telling them how much we care for them. Gosh, I'm, I'm getting my coffee now. <laughs> Let's finish by, by saying, by, I want to ask you a question. And this is the question. Will you commit yourself to keep nurturing, helping, inspiring, challenging, and loving your family, even when they don't even look like they will ever change? Shall I repeat it? Will you commit yourself to keep nurturing, helping, inspiring, challenging, and loving your family, and I'm not talking about just the relationship between father, and mother, and children, any family member I'm talking about. So helping, in, inspiring, challenging, and loving your family, even when they don't look like they will ever change. If that's the case, by the way, you can apply this conversation at work, anywhere else. If your answer is yes, here is where you could start building or rebuilding your relationship with your family by doing this. Bless them every day, no matter what. Exactly like Isa did to Jacob. You know what Isa did to Jacob? Um, Isa was lied and deceived by his wife, Rebecca, and by his son, Jacob, and they tricked him and believing that he was, that Jacob was Isa. And he blessed him, blessed him, and then realized, he later he realized that he was tricked on, he was lied to, he was deceived. That happens, and then the whole deal with Isa and dealing with the hard feelings of Isa, and then the following chapter. It's amazing. Isaac calls Jacob, and the Bible said, says that he blessed him again. Uh, to a liar, to a deceiver, to somebody who took advantage of him, who humiliated him with his own mother, his wife. I mean, that's terrible, isn't it? But he came out of his hard feelings and said, Jacob, come here. I'm going to bless you again. And he blessed him. I think we need to do more of that. Instead of telling our family members how bad they are, we, we need to start telling them how much we love them and bless them. Because according to Apostle Peter, we were called to bless and to be a blessing. So it's time to, maybe today, uh, take advantage if something happened today and even find ways to bless your brother, sister, husband, wife, uncle. You know, my, I told you in the past, my aunt was really tough and I got to live with her for one year. I remember writing the bad things that I'm going to tell my mother when she show up. <laughs> I got a book. So honestly, I'm not kidding. 
That's why I tell you that I'm more, more instro, introverted than what you think. I, I didn't tell her anything. I was writing everything, recording what she, supposedly what she did to me. You know what happened when my mother showed up? Nothing. I never told because I forgot. The excitement was so great that I, and when she left, I said, gosh, I forgot to tell her. So let's just try to forget and not to keep so much record. And let's just show and shower our family with love. Will you? Stand up, please, and pray with me, if you are able. Let's pray. Father, how easy it is to react and to say what we think, what we believe. Um, I confess myself to be one of those that it's easy to react. But you are calling us to a higher level of understanding our closest relationships, including our family. And instead of, and instead of looking for reasons how we could blame them more, you are calling us to find reasons to bless them and empower them and confront them, yes, and challenge them, yes, but with love always. And like Jesus' brothers and family didn't understand Jesus and they were having a hard time to understand that guy, finally they came to a place where they understood that he was who he was. Will you please help us to be the same and to do the same, to be patient enough until our brothers and sisters and family members, they will flourish because they will somehow. I pray for the church. I'd like to ask you to, to raise your hands up with me if you want, and let's pray this prayer with me if you would like to. Say with me, Lord Jesus, Help me to be more aware of the power of love within my family and beyond. In your name I pray. Amen.